There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. always dreamed of playing like Barcelona or Swansea or Brighton even International Weekend but the content has been saved by our favourite Uruguayan it's the Wise Men Save Podcast <coughs> Right we're recording Right, the positive vibe starts here. The fact that Amy Lawrence called us all negative and pessimistic, that's stuck with me since the eve of the Arsenal game. We were justified in our extent as we've not picked up a point since, but Bally's made me happy by playing a three-man midfield. Everybody knows that. The three-man midfield, that's what it's all about. Let's start the positive mood now. Get behind Poirier. The turnaround starts now. Anyone want to bring me down to earth here? I do, yeah. I want you to start <laughs> pronouncing his name right for a kick-off. Well, we had this... This is... this is. I'll just introduce now because I haven't introduced anybody yet. So this is Simon <laughs> Crab. We've got Simon Crabtree on the line here. I'm also joined by Craig Clark from Roker Pock and Mark Douglas as well from The Journal and Gareth is here as always. Um, Simon, you've just came straight in with the pronunciation. We were having a discussion off-air here. Is it Poyet or Poyet? Because we... Nick Barnes was pretty pretty convincing... Every, he was convincing everybody was Poyet. Well, I got picked up. It was uh, we were at Tottenham, and it must have been about twelve, thirteen years ago. And we were doing the commentary, me and Raoul, and Brian Glanville at half time turned round and gave me a fifteen-minute lecture <laughs> on why I should be saying Poyet because he's South American and it's Uruguayan, and that's how we say it, dear boy. So what? from then on, I'm going with what Glanville says. He'll do for me. Poyet, hard tea. Well, that's. I'm glad you said that because we were having this conversation, lads, weren't we, before the mics came on. Now, Nick Barnes was pretty emphatic about this. He was saying it was Poyet. So Mind I think it's just it's a lazy thing for people just to say Poyet because he's foreign, is it, then? Yeah, I think But uh, Nick was still calling him Decanio, wasn't he, until the, uh, <laughs> until the end, So, <laughs> you know. But, um, Mark, I was speaking to you briefly before the um, press conference started. Um, and we were saying pretty much how we were expecting it to go quite well because managers <laughs> say the right things, new managers yeah. say the right things. What was your general impressions? I was, uh, you know, I was relatively impressed with him. I think the it was quite interesting that he really didn't try and build up expectations too much, did he? I mean, um, I think one of the quotes was, "I can't promise a trophy. I can't promise silverware. All I can promise is a, is a team that, that the club are going to be proud of." Well. You know, to be honest, that's 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 all we can really expect, really. I, it was uh, it was standard sort of early manager fare. But having said that, I think it was kind of what was needed. We needed maybe a, a dose of common sense after some of the madness towards uh, of De Canio towards the end. And I, I liked him. You know, I thought he was enthusiastic. I thought he was very sensible. He was asked a few curveball questions and and really uh, dead battered them back, really mm. in a way. And I think I think 
Poirier's a man of substance, you know. He's, his CV's a little bit more complete than Decanio's was when he came. Um, he's... If you speak to people in Brighton, they'll tell you he he did a good job there. He was he was impressive there. So I, you know I'm I'm I think I'm quietly confident that he'll get Sunderland out of the relegation zone. It's then taking them the next step, which is the the big thing that so many managers have uh, have failed. But you know I was quite impressed with him. Yeah, I thought he was I thought he was pretty decent. Gareth, you were impressed with the press conference because I mean if I'm being hyper cynical, which I've got to be sometimes, play devil advocate and all devil's advocate and all that. And any respect, you know, a new voice comes in. Um, to a losing side they're going to be able to locate and expose weaknesses from the previous management so they can't lose in a way because fans and media are always going to buy into that no matter what the new guy's style might be but you were impressed generally weren't you? Yeah um, I think there was a bit of an air of indifference really around the managerial appointment generally not not just solely about poor I just think sort of, I think Sunderland fans are just a bit weary in general so I've I've been worried like we all have, but when he came no, in, I've never and, been worried. <laughs> <laughs> but when he came in and you know he sort of relaxed everything, I felt he sort of like took everything. Then he just kind of had a bit of serenity about it, which I quite like. He was sort of listen. I'm not going to promise anything. I'm not going to talk about what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do, and then I'll be judged on results, which you know I think is quite an important thing that he he came out and said that. So I think credit to him there. He didn't you know try and curry favour or anything. He think he was genuine. Um, fans, fans in the media are gonna are gonna sort of hang on. He's every word a little bit, a little bit more. Simon, what's it like from the outside? How how are people perceiving this? Do you think? Um, I think it was gonna give him time, aren't they? I'm just listening to you there about certainly the, whether you know you've run out of patience and what have you with, with Sunderland. That's the thing that's really got me over the last few months. The fact that there's an awful lot of ambivalence around now towards Sunderland, whereas in the past we were either ecstatic or we were really, really angry, weren't we? And then. There's a lot of people now that just aren't really asked about what's happening, and I think that hurts me more than being angry about stuff. So, because it got to such a point of ridiculousness under Di Canio that um, you know people just were looking to the sky as soon as he opened his mouth. So, yeah. I've been speaking to people who played for him, um, people who, who played for him when he was a coach at Leeds, and they like him a lot. Um, I've read a few people who have come across as quite bitter that have got on the wrong side of him, but. From what I can gather from speaking to people who have played for him, he's very hands-on, um, likes to get involved. Um, yes, he can blow his gasket every now and then, but but by and large, he's got a little bit of a twinkle in his eye that you know that can pull you back in, and, and he can put his arm around you as well. So I think the one thing we need more than anything right now at Sunderland is stability hmm. and time, and that's what we've not given you know the, the previous incumbent. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I think yeah, Chris Young. Wrote something the day about the, the stability thing, didn't he? But um, the problem is, Mark, is the, um, Simon's mentioned previous players and stuff. This quote's going to come back to haunt us about that. It was a, who was it, Vicente or somebody who was Vicente, who's, yeah. Vicente who said uh, he was the worst human being I came across. The, <laughs> the media's going to stick with that for a while, Mark. I don't, Mark. Do you know what? I, I think uh, I think I, I think that's really fair. I think we've um, I think we've been pretty open. Uh, in terms of in terms of Poirier, there was a lot of things that that could have been brought up in the first few weeks that that, that haven't been brought up. I think he's had a heck of a lot more um, a heck of a lot more of a sort of an easier ride, if you will, than Decanio did when he first came in because Decanio came with so much baggage. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a, I think in ter- definitely in terms of the in terms of the local media and the national media as well. We, we're just we're, we're sort of open to what's what's going to happen. I don't think anybody's. The problem is that that, that Poirier will find 
uh, or Poyet will find uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, that, that he, he'll get a lot more scrutiny in the Premier League. You know, that's what Di Canio found. I think Di Canio came in thinking, well, I can say this, I can say that. And he was already getting frustrated with what he perceived as a misinterpretation of his words in the first few weeks. Well, if you say a lot, um, it's going to get misinterpreted. And obviously, especially with the amount of national media that covers Sunderland and cover the North East, it, it's going to happen. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that with... Uh, with a new manager, I think he's going to be a little bit more sober, a little bit more um, down to earth. But it's funny, I just want to go back to a little bit about what Krabbers was saying there about the excitement factor. I think there was genuine excitement in the summer. There was. Mm-hmm. Sort of Do you know what? There was this sort of sense that, oh, Di Canio is doing something. Look, it might not be the right thing, but he's doing something. And we've had so many managers at Sunderland, I could definitely think of Martin O'Neill in the last few weeks, in the last few weeks of his time, where, where it just seemed like they were just going with the wind and All through the motion, you know, yeah. and Decanio was doing something. But then it, towards the end, it was like it was clear what he was doing was wrong. But he galvanised everybody, and he really got us excited and, and and talking about Sunderland again. And it was just the fact that it was completely wrong. But if you could maybe get a little bit of that excitement that he was doing, and, and take away the narcissism and the sort of the, the foolishness at the end of it. Then you'd be onto something. I it's think a big the, if. the big question is: Is has Vicente met Paulo de Canio? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. speaking of Vicente and that comment in particular, there's nothing. <laughs> Vicente. Well, <laughs> we're Robinson. English here, I suppose. I'm not going to pretend I'm a Spanish speaker, so I'll speak it as I see it. I, I can say nothing about pronunciation. Yeah, Gerald. Well, <laughs> yeah. so what? That'll live live with you forever. That one. <laughs> but yeah, Vicente is one negative comment, but there's been quite a few positives. Elliot Bennett, I think, was very glowing in his praise. Steve Harper. Steve Harper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's another one. Yeah, but of course, these are probably going to get a lot less coverage because. You know, Sunland at the moment, the media narrative is we've got this foreign set up and a lot of foreign players, no more than other clubs, but that's the thing they're going with. I mean, even I've noticed a few things when Poyet was given it. Oh, isn't it a shame that Kevin Ball was overlooked, mm. another Englishman overlooked kind of thing? And you think you, a lot of these people who were coming out with this had probably never even heard of Kevin Ball, mm. or they had, but not for a long time, mm. and probably don't know the first thing about him or his role at the club. I think it's inter- it's interesting the way people are saying you know um, Poyet hasn't you know he hasn't got huge amount of experience you know you might as well give it to Kevin Ball but he's got significantly more experience than Kevin Ball hasn't he he's managed for four years whether it be a championship or not Crabbers that's got to count for something hasn't it Yeah I agree with you completely I mean it's it's a conversation I've had with a few people as well it, what was it it was something like four years at Brighton yeah uh, but before then you look at where he, he's he's been into a lot of different top clubs as well he was and Tottenham, obviously wasn't he? spent time in Tottenham a lot not only as a player but then as a, as a coach under under Ramos uh, he was in Leeds for a while as well um, and, you know, and he's been around and he's, he's tasted all these things so yes he's only managed as such at a lower level but he took Brighton to within well within one match really wasn't it if he'd have got through into that final you'd have fancied him um, you know, before the Crystal Palace defeat, but um, he lifted them a lot. And from what I can gather as well, he got them playing really, really good football. So for us to stay up is number one. But if he can get Sunderland playing some attractive stuff again, because it, it's been a while since you know we've really been sort of wet at the mouth for one of a better expression. I said somewhere else. Then I, I'm glad to myself. <laughs> but going to Sunderland, you know, I want I want to first to stay up, and then secondly, you know, to start us getting that buzz. Again, I know what you said about during the summer, and I must admit, I probably got a little bit carried away watching the um, 
the Barclays tournament, you know, in Hong yeah, I Kong. Think we all did, yeah. There were signs there, weren't there, that this could be really good here, and then for one reason or another, it, it, it just fell to pieces. Mm. The, the interesting thing, uh, the interesting thing with, uh, especially with with Sunderland, you're saying they haven't got really like no, no one's really whetted our appetites. I couldn't tell you what a typical Sunderland player is over the last five years. That's a because, major issue. Yeah, yeah. have they? Uh, what what formation? Have they played over the last five years? What style of football does Sunderland play now? Well, I couldn't tell you because they seem to be played so many different, so many different styles. What's the club's identity mm-hmm. over the last five years? I couldn't tell you. And that I think was one it, of the things in the summer that was most exciting was the promise of a philosophy and an yeah. identity. And because we sort of got carried away with it, thinking that was going to come, unfortunately, Tacano didn't have the sort of ability to implement it the yeah. way he wanted to but the fact that he could see it needed to be done and was trying mm-hmm. to do something about it I think he meant well everybody knows his heart was in the right place he just probably I think I keep saying he took his eye off the ball and um, like the coach he had an idea yeah, yeah he had an idea where to go and then um, he, he was more interested yeah. in, in, in remaining, uh, regaining control keeping control he was more interested in himself I think if I look yeah. back on, on the Canio's run there'd be two things that I'd say number one he kept Sunderland up when it really, for all intents and purposes, looked like we were going to go down. So you've got to give him a tick in his box for that one. Secondly, he has given me one of the best away games of my life. <laughs> being, being in that top tier at St James's, it was, was just an afternoon and then a day and a weekend and a year to remember. Some dirty knees and all that. Yeah. So short term, he ticked a massive, massive box. Maybe he didn't make the signings. You know, it's been suggested that it was it was more to do with Roberto De Fanti that, that brought those players in. So, if short term he did that, and if long term Gus Poyet can do the right things for us, then maybe it was all part of a, of a bigger plan, and and we just haven't been privy to the information yet. I don't know. Mm. My my big my slight worry about the whole thing is that, and I said I said this uh, I said this to a couple of people was. Uh, you know, it would have been nice to see Roberto De Fanti up on that stage as well, ask, answering a few questions because he's obviously an incredibly important person in this structure. Um, and uh, you know, I've done I've done lots of ringing to try and find out anybody in British football who knows anything about Roberto De Fanti, and the information's really, really sketchy and limited. And I'm not saying that means that necessarily he's not good at his job. Um, it doesn't at all because you know, unfortunately, there's just not that much out there. So it'd be nice if De Fanti put himself up for a bit of a, a bit of a grilling just like just mm. like Poirier did because that's going to be so important if he's not the right man for that job I don't think there's much that Poirier can do really well, um, thinking about thinking about access and then give you the people I think we all know the answer to that well, one um, well to Fanny it's it's not it's like you say it's not the role necessarily itself that's the problem it's possibly the man I'm not yeah. saying it is because I don't know enough about that's him because like you say we we only know what we were given by the club yeah and of course, the club can positive spin. Put, yeah, yeah, they can put that mm. out to us however they want to. Well, it's, I mean, the one thing I do know is that his, uh, I think his father is friends with Ellis Short, so it's a kind of, it's a, it's somebody he knows. It's he's a FIFA agent, um, and that is just about the length and breadth of what of what of what we know about him. Mm-hmm. Well, that might be all there is to that might be all there is to him, and mm-hmm. and you know maybe he's he's kind of learning the job a little bit on the on the go but um, but yeah it'd be nice I mean I wonder how many days he spent in Sunderland I wonder how many does he know much about the club mm. yeah I, who knows it's difficult isn't it you'd, you'd like to think the funny thing was I think the guy that they, they got rid of as chief scout um, Brian Robson would have been brilliant for that job as director of football not necessarily the perfect chief scout but he would have been somebody you'd necessarily know 
a lot about the club. I, d- I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Or or even or even a Peter Reid, somebody like that. You know, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. There's definitely a debate to be had about that that role and whether and whether um, you know whether we've got the right man in there. Well, before we move away from Poyet, Poyet, <laughs> totally, um, I did manage to get one question in for Gareth, on Gareth's behalf, because um, I was interviewing him for Sun FM on Tuesday, was it? Tuesday. And, you know, Nick Barnes pretty much led everything there, as always, but I did make sure I got the question in, and Gareth wanted to know about a plan B, and how did you want me to put it? I think I'd done, I I think I'd done the question justice. You wanted me to um, put it in a polite way, build, have you got a plan, a plan No, I, I was basically saying, like, <laughs> You know, are you going to do things the same way as you did them when you were at Brighton in the Championship? Have you got different ideas or how you want to do things managing a side in the Premier League? That was basically it. So that's kind of a, a roundabout way of saying if it's not working, are yeah. you going to change it? Because one of the biggest criticisms of Matt Brighton was yep. that he didn't do that. Yeah. Okay, well, I can't think I kind of got that. Let's have a listen. <laughs> the last two managers who were here probably got criticised for not changing the style of football when results started to go against them. So with that in mind, I was just wondering how confident you were in your philosophies and if for whatever reason you don't start winning games, are you, are you prepared to adapt to the players you have here? I, th- I think this this one is going to be our, the other way around. It's going to be, let's start playing and winning games and slowly we're going to bring the philosophy in depending on how we're doing. Uh, I think to change completely now and from one day to the next, try something totally new, it's going to be crazy. So no, slowly. But, you know, the, the better it goes, the easier it's going to be and the more you're going to see. So let's hope we start well. That's encouraging to hear, isn't it, Mark? Mm. Because um, I, I think, like we said, when Decanio first came, he didn't dr- dramatically change things originally. He set the team, he made the team organised, um, well-structured, and then he had this, it's if he had this thing at the end of, you know, in sight, how, where he wanted the club to be, he, he tried to, to do implement that over the summer and when it didn't work out, he didn't seem prepared to just take a step back. The, the interesting thing about the Decanio regime was that um, the team were really doing really well when he came in, and, and he said to he said himself he had to kind of bend, he had to sort of be a little bit flexible with them, and the team seemed to be really responding to how he in the first in the first place. And then when he came in and decided he wanted this this whole disciplinarian thing, it obviously didn't work. Well, I think with Poyet, maybe it's just this idea that this revolution, you know. It, necessarily maybe has to happen a little bit slower because of because of the situation that Sunderland in um but he will have to be a little bit more um flexible than than Decanio was yeah I, th- I think though his character just seems a little bit more um a little bit easier than than Decanio's with it definitely seems less about Poyet and more about Sunderland which is which is really encouraging um but I think I think that's the problem any manager who comes in has to recognize that Sunderland's a massive job and I got the impression from Decanio sometimes that he felt it was more about him than Sunderland. Poyet kind of recognises, and you saw from how he was when he was trying to get the job, that he recognises what a massive job this is and what a huge opportunity it is for him too. And that's really encouraging that maybe he's going to play a little bit more, he's going to play a little bit safer than Decanio did in terms mm-hmm. of he'll realise that this is not a football club that you can just play fast and loose with. It's a huge football club and you can't, you have to kind of be a bit aware of the fact that this is a big job and you can't come in and try and enforce your own personality on it when there's not necessarily that much substance to what you're saying. A lot I think people... what that also says as well, sorry to interrupt you, is that the way that Kevin Ball changed things slightly probably wasn't a million miles off the mark. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think every game that Ballie was in charge, we got a little bit better every time. Because he played a three-man um, midfield. 
Yeah, which obviously, <laughs> which obviously you loved. Yeah. But I, just, I, I thought, I thought at United, I didn't think we were that much off the pace. I mean, I know it's not the, the world's best United, but I just, I think that's what Poyet was saying as well. That maybe you know, Bawley was moving it in the right direction. If he just keeps moving it in that direction, but obviously we need to score goals, which, which is my major concern. Um, but as soon as we can crack that, then touch wood we start moving mm-hmm. but he's, he's saying scoring goals is your major concern or the lack of it Craig he Poirier when he was asked you know Mark, Mark's just touched upon the fact earlier that he didn't really give much away he didn't want to let expose himself but the one thing that he did say was we considering too many goals I'm going to stop that straight away so that was the only thing that possibly could, people could come back at him in a few weeks and say well you're still considering goals but Crabbers is just saying there he thinks we're not scoring enough does it need to start from the back, in your opinion? Yeah, it's got to start from the back. And I think with Poyet, it starts from the back by his teams keeping the ball. I know he's not talking about a big revolution in playing style, but he's going to want the team to keep the ball. And it's a bit like Swansea when they got promoted, I think. Um, you, you can't. I think he actually said, Poyet, that you can't concede goals if you've got the ball. And it might actually not be the most scintillating football in terms of chance creation. Brendan Rodgers, like, yeah, he says similar yeah. things, doesn't he? Um, exactly the same kind of uh, ideals. And you might find that we only have three or four shots on goal, but we're doing so by at least, you know, knocking the ball around on the deck and looking for chances and it's patience, isn't it? Does that I- worry you, Gareth? Because um, Chris Young touched upon this fact last week. People up here like, like the ball forward early. They like the ball out wide. They like people to put a tackle in. Of the uh, Sunderland fans, generally speaking, because I know we all have probably in this room, generally speaking, the Sunderland fans have the patience. Well, you know, if you get beaten every week, I'd like to think you might be open to change. Um, we get beat, we've been getting beaten every week for about three years. That's what it, it does feel like, that doesn't it? We have though. I mean, we had winless run, like massive winless runs under Bruce and massive winless runs under. Um, O'Neill and then run out I can't remember any of the managers names I've had too many um, <laughs> and, and then and then we've obviously had massive another well not even a two wins from De Canio's reign in the league and I don't know I think you know you've got to you've got to be open to you've got to open your mind to it a bit and you know have a bit of patience and if he's winning then people sh- won't surely won't be complaining mm. so that's the most important thing said it about De Canio he can say what he wants he can do what he wants if he wins games if he doesn't win games he come under the microscope and that that's what happened to him and then everything was being picked and criticised and, and rightly so in, in some respects and those respects probably weren't touched on enough I think there was a lot of talk about you know the outside issues which we've 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 discussed before um, but yeah I, th- I think you know got to give people credit if they've seen a, a good team a winning team and if we're playing some nice stuff it's going to be interesting isn't it uh, to see a different kind of football come to the stadium, and hopefully, because we we'll get promised this all the time. Um, no, but I don't. I don't think. I mean, I mean, this whole thing about De Canio being a modern manager. I mean, what four four two with two wingers and overlapping fullbacks. Mm. Well, we're doing that fifteen years ago. A mm. great success. So that's not new. Mm. I mean, probably the newest thing we'd seen is counter attacking under um, O'Neill. under O'Neill. I mean, I wouldn't say Bruce's side had a particular identity, and he seemed to have a lot of players that he didn't really know what to do with. You know, he brought in Welbeck, which is he's a very good player, and then played him wide left, played four four two. Why didn't he play four three three when he had the, those players at his disposal? Things like that. So, he, I, I, I would say that, you know, under O'Neill, it was a different style of football, 
Um, we didn't. It wasn't particularly pretty, but we we played that counter attacking way, and then we went back to this like I think people were thinking, oh, when De Canio's come, it's going to be like under Reed where we've we're getting crosses in and all this, but and we did have a lot of possession in the final third, and we had a lot of shots from distance, but we didn't really carve out loads of chances, and obviously we're absolutely woeful at the back, and you can't play two in the centre of midfield against. Mm big teams in, in the Premier League because you no. just get obliterated and we, mm. we saw that no protection you know you can only defend so much seeing about Man United game and Arsenal's a prime example runners all these top teams have runners and you, you're not going to I mean people had to go key for the for the goal against Man U you can understand that in some respects but you, you're not going to track every you're going to lose concentration and not track one of them and it's that one untracked run that might cost you the game and you know, you saw that on Saturday and we saw it against Arsenal where the goals were conceded too. My slight worry with this defensive thing that, Poy- that Poyet's talking about is, has he got the players? Because I haven't seen a huge amount of evidence that two centre-backs that have been brought in over the summer necessarily a massive step up from what Sunderland had. I mean, somebody commented to me about Roberge. He said, well, you know... I think he's going to be in the t- in the side. He's going to be. I a think star, he's going to be in the he? side. He can pass the ball. That's it. That's it. Somebody said to me about Roberts. Well, why hasn't he had more opportunities? Why? You know, why are players coming in, coming out? You know, are they, are they necessarily? Is there something that's being seen behind the scenes? Because when they're playing, they're playing all right, but they're not playing as a. It, it, as the, a def- the defensive thing's interesting as well. Poyet says I'm going to. Poyet says I'm going to. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do. I'm going to tighten the defence up. I'm going to show the defence up. But then he likes to play this sort of. This kind of football, you know, um, similar to Rogers, Martinez, that kind of thing, because those teams notoriously concede poor goals mm. from set pieces and the like, right. which is what we've been doing. Yet he said he's going to he's going to put that right. So it's interesting. It's not quite a clear identity in one way that that any of us realise yet. We're just going to have to wait and see, aren't we? Doesn't he like um, holding midfielders? I'd, 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 was I was told Bridget? by the guys. Yeah, Bridcut, who's who was player the season two years running. You so, loved him. Yeah. So that'd be interesting because I think Sunderland have got. The players you can play that—that's the one area where they're actually quite blessed. They've got some two or three really good sort of defensive midfielders, or guys who who tackle, who work really, really hard. And I think I'd love to see Cabral sort of maybe playing in that role, or a, even a Catamol, you know, maybe deployed in that role and really given their head. You know, and I think he's got the players to do that, which will be which will be interesting. And that might be the key, rather than looking at the back four. It might be the midfield might might help out a little bit more in defence than they were under De Canio. Before we leave this section then, um, and we're going to get Jonathan Wilson on the phone. Crabbers, what's what success this season? Just to stay up now, are you confident? Um, that's, I think the silence will be said. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Um, I'd love to think that he can come in and do something. There's still, a, there's still I'm going to just talk in cliches, there's loads of games to go. It could be just the lift that they needed. It really brave of the club to make that change now because I was... I was really worried in the direction that we were going in under Di Canio. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say he can do, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> okay, that's great. I think <laughs> that's kind of just leaping off the fence a little bit. But, uh, right. Thanks no, for... we'll stay up. I mean, if you want me to say, will we stay up? Yes, I think we will. Hey, and, um, sound effect. We should have had some sound all, effects and some cheers now. That's all we can hope for, isn't it, this season? So there you go. Remind me in May. It was yeah. like that, that Howard Wilkinson <laughs> press conference there. We will not get relegated. Yeah, he was talking yeah, about winning the like league and all sorts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Still in the still in the league cup. Yeah, still in the league. Still in all. Still in. Go and grab a nettle. <laughs> a new man, a new manager for each round of the league cup. <laughs> right. Thanks for coming on, Crabbers. No problem, lads. Any time. Cheers.
Let's see, we have Jonathan Wilson on the phone here. Craig Clark came in specifically for this. I was going to call it the Craig Clark show at the beginning, but I forgot. That would have been funny. It would have made, it was supposed to sound improvised, I know. But now I've all spotted by saying that, you know, try to allow people in it knowing that my intros aren't improvised, which is great. <laughs> um, Jonathan, um, I was reading something you'd done over the summer regarding to Canyon. You were saying how it was good to be a Southern fan just because things were exciting, but you did emphasise the fact, highlight the fact that it was a big risk and it could make us relegation candidates and that was kind of the way it was going in in that respect are you glad the board have acted as early as they have? Yeah I think when you, you have the sort of mutiny among players that there clearly was I, I think you have to take action um, I mean I generally think managers don't get enough time I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd that Alan Pardew is the second longest serving Premier League manager uh, yeah, I think it takes time for managers to, to put that plan in place. But there are circumstances when you have to act. And, and if the players are, are up in arms, yeah, seemingly universally up in arms against the manager, then, then the, you know, it's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. How far up the list, how far up your list was Gus Poyet? Um, he was probably slightly above halfway. I mean, uh, yeah, the dream would have been Bielsa, but I don't think that was ever ever likely. <laughs> Um, I guess more more realistic candidates. I like Ralph Rangnick, um, just because I think what he what he did in Germany, what he's done in Germany, uh, has has been extremely exciting football. I think he's a very smart football man. But I, I, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Uh, I heard an interview he gave, I think about 15 years ago, when he, he said that if he if he was ever to come to England, Sunderland would be a club he'd like to take charge of. Really? Uh, on the grounds, you know, he sees us as being. Um, you know, a club with improvements, you know, with the possibility of improvement. You know, a, a, an old traditional club who who haven't uh, perhaps achieved what they ought to recently. Um, Three so crestfallen faces like in this in this studio <laughs> now, Jonathan. That you've just told them that they're like, oh god, if we'd have known that. <laughs> yeah, we should have held them to that. <laughs> Definitely. Um, are you, did you hear much of the the Poyet press conference? He, he just saw bits of it. I didn't, didn't see the whole thing. Yeah, he's, well, he, I mean, he's indicated that. You know, he has this this identity that Brighton, you know, kept the ball slowly, almost like Brendan Rodgers. And he has maintained the fact that he he will do things very slowly and make the changes minimal at first. That's good to hear, isn't it? Well, it is. And I think it's important that, you know, he stressed stability and unity. I mean, that that clearly is is what is needed now. Um, But I'm slightly baffled by this idea of not making many changes because it's not like there's a structure there that you can (laughs) not make many changes from. I mean, almost whatever he does is a change, just because things are so chaotic. Um, I, th- I, mean, I think the positive of his appointment is that you know I think given the players who brought in, on, uh, here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Over the summer, I think his style of football matches their style of football. And uh, to Roberto De Santi, it's clearly you know, his vision. And, and Poet fits into that. As De Canio's football should have done. Um, so it, it makes sense in that regard. Uh, but, you know, you, you worry about that lack of experience and you, you worry about the way things ended at Brighton. Uh, having said that, I think what went before the very end of Brighton was extremely impressive. You know, promotion and, and mm-hmm. in the playoffs. In some ways, are quite unlucky against Crystal Palace. You've just, you've just said the way uh, De Canio's football should have done there, Jonathan. So are you? do you remain convinced that had his personality sort of not gone in the way that his style of football would have been successful? Well, the, the thing I, I, I didn't quite understand with De Canio is that you know, he came... Certainly from, from Coverciano with, with these glowing recommendations he finished top of his year uh, at Coverciano, which, you know, is is a real achievement. I mean Coverciano is turning out probably the best coaches in the world. As a coaching school, it is absolutely superb. So he clearly has something. And yeah, you know, what he did with Swindon was, was remarkable. And yet the thing I, I I mean particularly this season, the thing I really didn't understand was why he persisted playing the four four one one or the four four two I just thought it left us incredibly open in the middle of the field. Um, and I think, I think it's a problem we've had really since Loxana left, that there hasn't been a real dominant presence at the back of midfield. Catamull when his head's right, fair enough, but you know, how often is his head right? <laughs> um, and so I think the way you get around that is just put an extra body in there and play three in the middle of midfield, which is exactly what Kevin Ball did when he got the chance. Um, and you, you look at, at each of the central midfields we've got, and each of them you, you can identify a flaw very easily. So you cover those flaws by, by putting in two, two other players who don't have that flaw. Um, so I, I was baffled by, by that insistence on, on sticking with 4-4-2. Last season I could understand it because when you, when you, when you started at Swindon, he said he tried to change things too quickly and he realised he had to keep the basic shape. So, OK, he wanted to keep the shape that, that, that we were used to. But I thought having had the whole summer, he just could have begun to change that. And, and I think just the, the personnel we have, we, we pretty much have to play three in the middle midfield. Um I agree with that, especially regarding the shape of the side. But um, tactically, at Brighton, it was quite a slow-paced passing game, sort of akin to Swansea under Rodgers. And it's interesting that Rodgers seems to have moved on from that at Liverpool and Swansea under Laudrup have sort of moved on from that as well. Do you think it's the right approach? or Because under Ball, although it was very brief, we did play with quite a lot of intensity. Maybe not with the ball as much, but you know they were pressing high. Um, I just wondered if you had a, a sort of a view on on his act, on that approach. Yeah, I mean, you never quite know. Was that because of the players he had at Brighton, or was it because that's actually how he thinks football should be played? I, I would hope that he would look at the the players some of them have got, and he, he'd look at. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything to suggest that the Canyon's fitness program didn't work over the summer. Um, I know they faded against United, but they they probably ran too hard in that first half. Um, so it, it seems to me and one of the very few advantages we have at the moment is that fitness so I think you know, use it as best you can uh, if when we get the ball we play at a slower pace and when we're capable of doing that we're, we're great uh, without the ball though I think it'd be, be odd if we, we didn't try and, and use that fitness See, Jonathan's with me with a three-man midfield I'm just going <laughs> to say nothing I'm just going to stand there all smoke now Gareth? Yeah, well, I would have played a three-man midfield. <laughs> We've discussed this. Know, you know, know, you did invent three-man midfield, Stephen. <laughs> you know, like um, in terms of the defence, if we are going to play a possession-based game, how do you feel about John O'Shea and his? 
apparent lack of ability when it comes to distributing the ball from the back. Obviously, Valentin Roberge looks like a capable ball player, but if O'Shea's the partner, he's he's looked a bit suspect. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that entirely. Um, I guess you, you've got to try and balance out is what he gives you in terms of experience, in terms of leadership, uh, in terms of, of solidity. Uh, yeah, does that count after the fact that he is a, um, uh, maybe a touch clumsy on the ball? Um, uh, having said that, you know he, he has made a few mistakes this season, and the Palace game was was clearly his fault. Um, I, I, I think you, at the level we're at, you can get away with it that, that he can just you know, knock the sideways ball five yards to his partner, he, he can start passing it or whoever plays in the field can come short to him. But I mean, clearly, if you're an opponent, you, you would see that as a weakness, and you, you, uh, you, you know, you'd probably let O'Shea have the ball on the ground; he's not really going to hurt you. Just if if you are going to play out the back, I'm just wondering if you couldn't play keys almost like a sweeper, you know. Well, well he, he did that at Swansea, didn't he? At yeah. times that uh, you know, he dropped in that back four. Um, I mean, you know, maybe that is an option. It would seem to be quite a, quite a big risk at this stage. Um, and I think we, you know, we probably need key in midfield. But but yeah, I mean, it, 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 if O'Shea becomes a problem with, with his distribution, then yeah, certainly that's that's something to look at. Well, I'm. I'm I'm a big advocate of three at the back. I've been trying to <laughs> change people's minds. I've, Nearly I've as obsessed that. as I've been about yeah. this three moment. I've thing. got this dream about sort of like this <laughs> fluid three-four-three three formation, um, and uh, but I just don't think it's ever going to occur in English football, especially at Sunderland. I know that Liverpool have sort of started playing three at the back, and um, Wigan obviously played three at the back with great success last season. Um, so. Some yeah. of them are halfway there because they've they've not had any fullbacks for uh, about five <laughs> years. We've yeah. um, tried to play people there. Yeah. Well, yeah. we've actually got a wing back in the yeah. squad, so you yeah. could play Desena on the yeah. left. She looks yeah. on the right. Central mid. You've got your two deep lying central midfielders, Key and Catamore, and then you've got off the front whoever you want to play out the door, Fletcher, whatever. You can play Jack Arini and Johnson Narrow. And there you go, sorted. Mm-hmm. How do you? How do you? You've just mentioned Fletcher actually, so I'll, I'll mention that, Jonathan. How do you see if Poyer likes his four-five-one stroke four-three-three situation? How do you see Stephen Fletcher and Altador fitting into the same side, or or can't they? Well, I mean, yeah, you know, they can. Um, I just think it leaves you very weak in midfield. And I think modern players have to accept that they're not going to play ninety minutes every week. Um, so. You, know, you rotate, you play one one week, one the next, or you do what I think West Brom did very well last season, where you play one for the first sort of hour, 65 minutes, to, to you know, effectively to wear out the opposing centre-backs, then you bring the other one on for you know, what Steve Clark calls you know, the glory leg. So a lot of Lukaku's performances last season came in the last half hour of the game, just after Shane Long had worn out the opposing defence. So I think as long as you present that to, to, to players in the right way, and you, you explain, you know, it's not just about the starting eleven; it is the whole squad, and this is your role today. That you will play like twenty-five or thirty minutes, and you know it should be easier for you. This is your chance to score cheap goals. Then you know, I don't really think they should have a have a problem with that. I don't know which one you play first. Maybe you play Altidore from the start because of his physicality that he can battle opposing defenders and Fletcher can you know, can take advantage of that. Maybe do it the other way around and, and, and use Altidore's strength later on when, when they're tired. But uh, you know, uh, I, I see the argument that they're two of the better players in the squad, and, and therefore you want to try and play them both together. I just think that you know, given the midfield we've got, we can't really afford to do that. But I mean, it, it is an option to, to play them both together towards the end of games. We you know, really want to um, 
pile pressure on an opponent. Yeah. But you did see in the Arsenal game, uh, it did maybe 20 minutes after half-time. That did work. The Arsenal suddenly found themselves under pressure. All these long balls, all these crosses coming in, and they really struggled to deal with that. So you start with one, you bring the other one on, either as a placement or as an addition. Um, is there an issue maybe with especially Fletcher I'm not sure about Altidore <clears throat> I assume in Holland he, he probably played as a lone striker a lot but I think Fletcher particularly at Wolves was sort of most productive in a front two with Kevin Doyle um, and when he has played up front on his own for Sunderland it's actually quite remarkable how many goals he scored because I think he's found it difficult in some ways He's, he's I think he's an excellent football player but I'm not sure he's He's physical enough, but perhaps Poyet's style of football might benefit him. At, at Wolves as well, it's interesting. He, he didn't play every week. Fletcher, I remember there was a lot of debate. It was sort of him and Doyle. Sort of Doyle wasn't scoring, and like he was starting, and and if and like it was one up front, and Fletcher was on the bench a, a bit. But even though he was the top scorer, I think under McCarthy, I think that was maybe one of the things that. But it's interesting, sort of a bit of a relationship there. You can't, you, the two players aren't going to be able to play every That's, week. But it's, it's how interesting that Fletcher played really well in those little flashes we've seen with him with Altador because I think Altador whoever he plays with Altador is going to make look better because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the one thing that people looking from the outside on Sunday will say well Altador's been a flop if you actually watch the games I think he's been yeah, outstanding I, well. I, I think, think he's been, been good, good. Yeah. but he's yeah. been but I mean he's been really he needs a call he needs a premier yeah. call doesn't he but, and that's the, the that's the one thing that, that you always felt like whoever was coming in is getting a really good player and that's my. I kind of see what Jonathan's saying, but I, I just, I really like the look of Altador. I really think that when he starts, when he starts scoring goals, he's going to be, um, he's going to be a, a real. He looks player. Looks like he's ready to explode. Yeah, he? I think he's going <laughs> to. Yeah. It, it sounds like a real cliche, but I think when he gets one, you know, you're going to see it because I think he's hit the post about three, hit the post three times. Three times, three times I think. Yeah. I, th- I think it's the funny thing with Altador is, it is that goal. I don't really mind so much if he isn't scoring if the team's scoring, but. I think we yeah. haven't taken the chances. I mean, the the headache that he's got now as well, because Jack Arini's done so well off the front, that was probably somewhere where you'd look as incorporating Fletcher. Mm. And, and now, Jack, it's a good problem because Jack Arini, you know, he's done excellently there. So, But, he, I mean, he should retain his place in that position because he's been massively effective. And he, he looks like he's got a goal scorer's instinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, that save from Deira at the stadium at the weekend was just one, it was one of the best saves I've seen at, at the stadium of light. Second uh, best. Second best to Gordon. Probably. Yeah, definitely. I tell you, what about Darren Ward against? It was off Pele. It was off Pele <laughs> yeah. for Southampton. Remember that one? That was unbelievable. I can't remember the, the, the Darren Ward year. Gareth Bale scored. It's a bit of a, a, bit of, it's a, bit of a drunken blur for me those years. I'm afraid. <laughs> but um, Jonathan, before we let you go, it's it's important now that Poyet's given time, isn't it? In, in in one respect, that that's almost guaranteed to happen because of how early it, it is in the season. He's got the job, so unless things go, you know, disastrous and we start getting hammered every game. He's going to get a bit more time than other managers have had, you would have thought or you would hope. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I guess looking at the worst case scenario, if, if, if we are relegated, you know, he, he has proved himself in the championship. He's good at that level. So, you know, are they going to find somebody better than that for, for a promotion campaign next season? But, but obviously, you know, the, the, the first thing is to, to try and stay up. And I, I guess if, if there is a positive, uh, and, and, you know, you've got to look pretty hard for it. But, the start we've had, there have been a lot of hard games. If you compare equivalent fixtures, we're only actually three points worse off to those games last season. So it's not totally disastrous. We just got to, I think, keep a bit of perspective to this. Yeah, you know, okay, next two games, Swansea away, difficult, but maybe we can get a point there. The derby, well, you know, hopefully, 
Uh, but then we, you know, we got um, what Chelsea and Tottenham to play. Once we're through that run of hard home games, that I think is when it really starts. I think we've got to, even if we only get say four points between now and, and the middle of November, we shouldn't panic. It's that run between mid-November and Christmas that's actually going to you know, decide whether we go up or whether well, whether we stay up or, or go down. I think um, the, the Swansea one's an interesting one because they, their home record recently hasn't been too no, great. Won about um, seven, have they? Yeah, I don't think they've the won league. in seven. Mm-hmm. And if you could get a point there, but I think you, I think you're right, but about the the fixtures and you know it's not all total disaster it's just it's, I think it's just that disappointment getting beaten every week but I, I would say you know if we can get within three points of a point per game up up to that Norwich game 21st of December I think we've got Norwich um, I've looked at the fixture list more than I have the league table to be honest so that, that 21st of, of, of December against Norwich I think if we can be within three points of a point a game I think we're in good shape to go into the back end of the season um, and I think that's maybe we've got to not look at it so much as uh, the you know winning losing winning losing it's hitting some targets at some points in the season so so we're in good shape to sort of attack those fixtures like going into the new year how confident are you will stay up jonathan no i mean i'm probably I'm not not confident i'm probably more confident than than um you would normally be with one point from seven games um because i think if we can get on a roll the start of next year we do have winnable home games and alright we've got to go away to United and Arsenal and whatever which you didn't expect nothing from but if you can get a run of say six home wins in a row I don't think that's impossible at all if they can get a bit of momentum going into that I just think the way the fixture list has been this season it was either it could have worked out to our advantage if we got mm-hmm. a decent start you know, we could have been there mid-November you know with just over a point a game and suddenly one of the easiest fixtures as it has gone the other way mm-hmm. and it's it's very hard to see see where a point's coming from at the minute but if we can get through that and it not not be too far adrift then yeah hopefully we, we can we can take advantage of slightly easier fixtures uh, from yeah as, as you said from that Norwich game onwards mm-hmm. that's a positive way we've all got to look at it I think yeah. um, thanks, for your, thanks for your time Jonathan thanks for coming on yeah no problems at all anytime okay, cheers cheers I'm sure you'll all agree. We're going to finish now. Just the lads here in the studio spend five, ten minutes speaking about things generally. Yeah, we're not trying not to analyse the Man United game too much because I mean it seems a bit irrelevant now. Uh, to well in some context anyway and to a certain extent anyway but we uh, I just want to know I'm glad Craig mentioned O'Shea there um, because I was going to bring him up it's been I've got a lot of respect for John obviously and you, I think you look at players with his experience to get us through these tough times but something that's been on the back of my mind for a while now when you're getting down to the pure football side of things one-on-one battles I think he's getting turned too easily. He's given the ball away too easily, and it's getting worse. And if I'm being honest, was he some foreign signing, some random obscure foreign signing, who only Kristen Henedge knows about? <laughs> um, and we signed him in the summer. I think he will be getting a lot of stick from the fans. I know that Gareth disagrees with a lot of this. Personally, no, personally, I lot, think personally, my opinion is I don't think he's a Premier League player anymore. Anybody agree with me, or anybody want to shoot me down? I I do disagree with that. But okay. Because just it's more to the 
My thing is this complete player thing. People are always looking for the complete player. I'm not looking for the complete um, player. I think D. Katie does a better tackling, blocking job than O'Shea this do season. You? The first game he played, he was a bit rusty, but he had, it was the first competitive game he played. What in over a year, maybe or a year or something like that. You talk about I the complete player. Yeah. Stick him and uh, Reversion some kind of genetic splicing <laughs> machine, and you've got one there. <laughs> That's the problem, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where are fly. we on John O'Shea? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing about O'Shea is that it it has been it has been a sort of slow decline in some ways hasn't it that sounds that sounds terrible it sounds makes him sound like he's he's kind of uh, <laughs> on his rusty ship yeah, yeah. no he's, he's not like you know he's it, it's just been incremental sort of differences in his play this time to two years ago when he when he came in he looked like a real player and I, I kind of know what you mean I think he he suffered for not having a regular centre-back partner I mean how many different players has he played alongside mm-hmm. it must be difficult you know he, he's been he's had to Marshal that defence for for the best part of two years, and he's, I think he's done a decent job this season. He's just not been good enough, really, in in too many games. You know, Southampton. I remember that one we talked about Crystal Palace earlier, but Southampton, it was it was yeah. his fault there as well. But he was kind of you know, Decanio's leader, he's my leader, all that kind of rubbish that, that, and that's nonsense. What I'm, that's that what I'm saying. That's the kind of thing a kind of play. You know, it makes you subconsciously think he's better than he is. Yeah. That's what. Mm. That's how I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm coming to terms with this in the last few weeks. I might be being hypercritical here but it's been on my mind for a while but I can't help thinking of Craig where are you with it um, I, I sometimes think people are a little bit overly critical of him in the way maybe they are of someone like Adam Johnson as well like, mm. he's not perfect but Sunderland aren't ever going to have the perfect player are they unless we suddenly get a billionaire well I suppose short is but you know someone who's going to pump in ridiculous sums of money whether it uh, one of my issues would be who you're going to bring in instead of O'Shea mm. Diakite is, and Roberge would be a very raw partnership mm. at, at this level. It would be, yeah. It's such a shame that Wes Brown's had his problems because that's well. I mean, that's you know, this is this is an ongoing thing, isn't it? But he looked excellent in pre-season, brilliant, and he is excellent. And that's you know, he's probably probably if he was fit and he was playing regularly, he'd probably be in contention for for England because. We know the level he can play at, and alongside O'Shea, that would be a fantastic partnership. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think we're ever going to see Wes Brown. <clears throat> the reason uh, we we got Brown is because yeah. clearly Ferguson is a man who knows when yeah. someone's sort of coming to the end of their yeah. career. O'Shea, it isn't the injuries, which I, th- I think I seem to remember thinking he might be someone who would yeah. have fitness issues. Um, but with O'Shea, obviously, it seems to just be this. It didn't help him when decline. Bruce played him right back. To be fair, oh, he's, 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 he's had a few injuries or O'Shea. He's, 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 he's had a few sporadic. Like he, it seems like he gets one every year games or something like that, and mm. you don't know how long. Is I, I see what you're saying. I, I just quite like some of the. I, I know he could he could drop off and not get as tight and then not get turned. I mean that's something he could do, um, but I think like from a just experience on the pitch thing I think we need that at the moment and if he's the only if he's that fit one available I mean if Brown was fit and it was a toss up between Brown and O'Shea I'd pick Brown yeah um, but he's not so it's O'Shea yeah but I like I really like Roberge. Um he seems to have got a bit tougher since that first game of the season and uh, yeah I've, um, I've, I've, I think he's been Mm-hmm. pretty good just quick, quickly before we move on to the question of the week thing which I know Gareth's very excited about I'm, I'm not that excited <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to know it's, it's typical circumstances fixtures and everything has gone uh, conspired against Sunderland to an extent this season 
it's going to be a shame that we're going to have to break that three-man midfield up now, Mark, isn't it? Because I think Gardner, Catamol, Key, complimented each other very well against Man United. Um, I've always felt Gardner could play in a three-man midfield. I'm his biggest critic in a two-man midfield, I'll be honest. But a lot of his goals for Birmingham came in and around the area he scored mm. against Man United. He always just seems to be in the right place at the right time. I remember him scoring against a similar goal against us a couple of seasons ago where the ball just fell at home in that kind of area but Key's obviously now not going to be able to play it's a bit of a shame isn't it that we, we, we're just looking for that little bit of momentum mm. yeah I mean could you consistency could you, could you argue for Colback to yeah. come in and maybe play that role I'm just saying a goal to back mm. yeah He's I mean I actually think Colback's pretty technically gifted you're not necessarily looking he'll keep the ball for you yeah he'll he? keep the ball and, and that's really what you want at Swansea I wouldn't I wouldn't want him to do it week in week out because I'm not sure that midfield would have enough guile really to, to break down Premier League midfields but I think as a temporary measure it'd be alright and I, I do agree about Gardner I think he's another one he's like um, a Kevin Nolan if you will that, that people always think of Kevin Nolan like how is Kevin Nolan a Premier League footballer but yeah, look at the goals he scores look at the goals that Craig Gardner scores and you know I mean we kind of say look honesty only gets you so far in Premier in Premier League football but that's kind of what Sunderland need at the moment, isn't it? They need a kind of Craig Gardner, somebody with a with a head who's maybe gonna 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 push them forward a little bit. And you know, I think I think that'd be. I, th- I do agree about the three-man midfield. I, I, I sort of think it's uh, it's time it was tried out. It's time it was tried out because mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of things that that haven't worked at Sunderland. And you know, I think that Swansea game's winnable, or, mm-hmm. not necessarily winnable, but you can get something out of that. Yeah, home form, it's encouraging. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether Cabral plays because. Mm-hmm. If now um, Poyet is the third person not to play Cabral, maybe that'll just put the myth to bed a little bit that he's he's he, that well, he's some that, sort of superstar. He was created. The myth was created by the money. Yeah, I understand you know. that, and I, I I was yeah I've been on that bandwagon myself. But what I mean is, I think it'll just be interesting because now I mean, is he we on international duty for anybody? He won't be no, really no. no I don't think so. so you know, if ever there's a chance for him to sort of stake a claim, it's this I, week, isn't it? I think I think the thing with the, the Kevin Ball situation was always going to be difficult for Cabral with Kevin Ball because he'd gone and played in that reserve game. Oh yeah, and by all accounts walked yeah. through the reserve game, which Kevin Ball was managing. Mm. So I don't think Cabral it, yeah. really. You kind of you kind of judging yeah. from. I mean, why would if you were Kevin Ball, you'd you'd sort of think well. I'm not sure I fancy. I'm not sure I fancy him. Not that Cabral, you know. I think Cabral's been, you know, architect of his own downfall in some ways. But at the same time, you know, new player in, and you know, I, I like Cabral. I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked good in pre-season as well. It looked like he, he had a goal yeah. in him. And we've just said there. I mean, Jonathan said earlier in the on the phone. You know, suddenly haven't had a midfielder who can really put his foot on the ball since Sano. And I and I was out there in Denmark, and I thought. They've signed one. Yeah, this is a, they've signed one, and they've got him for nothing. But they've just, but it it, it didn't work. So I, I, team selection is going to be interesting. Well, Save um, starting eleven, I think. It's it's interesting as well that I think Ball sort of made similar comments maybe to to Canio about maybe the sort of athleticism yeah. side of it. I wonder if the way Ball set it up, he did want them pressing, and yeah. it was very intense, like high intensity. Perhaps Cabral just isn't that type of player. Yeah. If Poyet is going to introduce a slower passing game, he looks like the kind of player who would benefit massively mm. from that to me. And the thing is with Cabral, you sort of say they're Stephen like about, you know, do you write him off if another manager comes in and doesn't want him? Well, I mean, some players take a long time to get used to the the um, the, the pace of the English game. And I mean, you look at kind of, 
I mean, I'm Doesn't thinking. Sound it, like he's helping himself off. No, no, though. definitely not. That's well, that's the that's problem. Issue, is it? Isn't it? That's that's the problem. But you also say maybe one or two of them. It takes them a little bit of time to 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 get with it. I mean, I'm thinking. You know, I'm thinking of a, I'm thinking of a few in the northeast that I can think of that have really only second season have really come come to the fore. So maybe 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 that'll be him. Okay. Well, we're going to leave the football chat thing there then because time's beating us again. We haven't quite got people knocking on the studio telling us to get out, but we've all got homes to go to. How's that for a cliche? Away from football. <laughs> um, question of the week, Gareth. I'll let you take centre stage <clears> now. Yep. So I hope I'm sure you've all got one. Something, oh, that, yeah. that deep heating <laughs> rebege and taking the fly machine and that would have been a, that would have been a good one well it was that yours was it ruined it now no it wasn't but <laughs> yeah so the question of the week this Maybe week better. was um, pick a, a Sunderland player people are going to interpret that as a one because they've picked past ones and people affiliated with the club and um, pick what you do if you could have a day off with them that was it wasn't it mm-hmm. I lost my train of thought because you're pressing buttons <laughs> Yeah, I've got already. some music and everything for this week, <laughs> so you know it's an appropriate tune, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going on holiday. <laughs> Wheeler kicks in, then we'll go. Right, we're in. Andrew Thompson, he'd take Nosworthy and try and take the ball off him, but he'd say no, no, no. <laughs> God, Dan who said um, he'd go out on the town picking up the ladies with David Vaughan <laughs> got uh, Danny which was a, a running theme um, and a few people had this Bardsley go to the casino and get drunk and win lots of money and then he sort of took that on from ALS had a couple of efforts which all involved an open top bus one involving Valentin Reverge and a tube of Pringles which I'll not read out um, but yeah we had Gardner <laughs> On the open top bus, uh, and he pointed people. Well, ALS had pointed people, and Gardner would hit free kicks at them. And we've got Catamol, John O'Shea, and ALS going around the city on an open top bus, storming into businesses and convincing them to sack people. Then Danny got on that bandwagon and he said he'd celebrate on an open top bus with Bardsley after that. Um, Michael Graham would take G for the magical day at Warner Brothers Studios, sharing butterbeer and watching his eyes light up with Harry Potter stuff. Mark Triggs take Adam Johnson to Iraq as a spy they'd never find him he always goes missing boom not in that way Richard James Purden he takes Lusk around Legoland Windsor he's challenged Partridge there quite like Glenn Cardy's Um, Lee Catamull just scream all day long (laughs) Luke Bowley Seb Larson don't ask any more questions I'm not surprised by that one at all Bry Aslett (laughs) said he he'd ask Defanti why he looks so much like Keith Lemon yeah uh, Stephen Ruff would Westwood we play cricket netball and basketball anything that involves catching David Boyle me and Moberg Carlson building spaceships with Lego watching reruns of the raccoons and eating monster munch um, I love the raccoons yeah and we got Simon Walsh's me and Jack Colback dressed as sad clowns going <laughs> dogging which is a winner I think and he also had shopping for a microwave with Vito Minoni, <laughs> so I think his were the two best ones there. I wish so. I read these before I come on now, because I was. And that, that was perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, let's pretend that was. <laughs> so two minutes, yeah. bang. Stephen. Does that mean we don't have to do ours? Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I go last because mine, you know, mine was nowhere. I wish I read these now because I wasn't really <laughs> thinking about thinking about it as much. Uh, I wouldn't last week though, so these things even themselves out. Martin, you, Gareth, you. Martin, go first, I think. Can we do pass plays? Yeah, anyone you want. All right. Michael Chopra. <laughs> I'd ask him, come on, tell us what really happened at St. James's Park. Did 
You really passed the ball yeah. on purpose because I've. I think he did. I think he's just rubbish. And he, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, I think he tried to play the ball. It was an awful. I, like, I, I, <laughs> I stand by. I stand by it. I think he just overhit it. I do. Yeah. I think it was just rubbish. And it, now he's found his level. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say ask him what happened at his wedding. <laughs> um, as, a, as a journalist, I'm, I'm, I'm just pointing out I know nothing about it. <laughs> Craig. I, I really struggled with this because I looked through the squad. I didn't realise it was a past player thing as well. And you just think <laughs> there's just no real characters there, is there? So, uh, I don't know. Just hang out with Carlos Queller. He's not really very good at football. He <laughs> promised us all a coffee on oh, Twitter when he fun, first signed up. Go for a coffee. So, go for a coffee yeah, with yeah. Carlos Coffee's and with watch the Super Classico in Argentina. Mm. Mine's just from the heart. I just want to take George Elador to the fair or something. Because I think, <laughs> I think, I think, you know, you know, I feel really sorry for him. We touched on it earlier that he's not scoring goals. And I think. I think he just wants to feel loved because I can say yeah. how frustrated he is and I think a day out of the fair just don't take him to the coconut shack as yeah. come off the bottom yeah. and the top yeah. don't take him on the ring throws and stuff because <laughs> yeah. he'll start missing yeah I'll take him on the yeah on the log and stuff mine was a sim- sort of similar Alfred and I just go out with him for the day just what? Just go down the beach. You're making me feel really paranoid about mine being rubbish, and then you've just said you want to. You just, <laughs> just want to go out for the just, day. Yeah. Just get him back to Sunderland. Just get him back yeah. to Sunderland. Just bring him back. Yeah. Smuggle yeah. him back into just the a country. Nice walk down the beach. Ice cream. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Portion of chips, something like that. He's a lovely fella, actually. Yeah, exactly. Alfie, he seems he's, like a nice guy. Do you just, know what he is? He is. Yeah. He's, he's see. Good Gareth really misses him. I do. That's that's what it is. I just I, like the. I miss him because he was the only person you know. they used to put up to interviewers when they lost. <laughs> well okay we're gonna get some Swansea input um, on who's our manager again Gus Poyet next week you mean some Brighton input Brighton Swansea Brighton ball you know all these teams who play nice football I'm getting confused making me dizzy yeah we're gonna get some Brighton input next week and of course we're gonna Swansea because we're playing Swansea so we'll, we'll be getting Swansea input it'll just be about the game specifically Um, we will record it next Tuesday Gareth aren't we um, I yeah um, Sorry, I wasn't concentrating yeah. at all. So we'll be a little bit earlier, so you've got no excuse not to listen to it now. So we will see you then. Thanks for listening. Over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.